All right, episode 53. I feel like it's been a really fucking long time <laughs> since we did this. Has been. Uh, when was the last one? Four weeks ago, maybe? It's been at least week, four week weeks. week before you went to Pinehurst. <clears throat> yeah, because I left on a... I left on a Wednesday, I think. Yeah, I left on a Wednesday, so that kind of cut that Wednesday out. And then I got back, like, the next week on a Tuesday, which I was like, I really didn't feel like. Right, I yeah. Because I did most, I mean, Cookie helped me drive home, but I did a lot of driving down and back, so. And then you got your shot the following week. I did get my shot the following week. Shot number one. Did you get yours yet? I've got, yeah, I got the Johnson. Johnson oh, that's right. You told so. me about Johnson & Johnson. And you're still like, you're worried about having a reaction because you have a history. Yes. Not because he's against it. Right. (laughs) I went to sign up for the Johnson Johnson one the other day. It was all full. Oh, just to get the one shot. Yeah. I feel like it was much easier that way. Although I don't think the first one like affects you as much as it's the second one. I think that has gotten people. Yeah. I don't, I think it's everyone just, I don't know. I go on the 12th. Two weeks to get my other one then. I woke up and my left shoulder blade was killing me. And I'm like, you know what? This is the worst I feel. And then about 10 a.m. I just hit a wall for about six hours. Like just didn't feel well? No, just tired. Oh, tired. Dead tired. And then about, yeah, it was like 4.30. I feel like nothing happened. It was odd. About 24 hours after I got it. Yeah. It looks like there's a crack in that door. There's actually not. Like, why is the light on in there? I think it's just reflection. Just checking how straight the door is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've missed a ton and this, we don't really, we didn't really like, I wrote down some like stuff like we might want to talk about, uh, the big thing going on and I, it's my own fault. I have not been keeping up the NCAA tournament. Oh, I, yeah, it's my hell of a tournament. I just, I did see the, it's Houston Baylor, you and UCLA Gonzaga. Yep. So, I mean, I would try to, now we're down to four. I definitely need to make it like a, a definite attempt to watch those games. The one thing I did notice, though, on Twitter, I see a lot of, like, the officiating stuff. I mean, seen a ton of tweets, like, yeah. officials are terrible, like, yada, yada. The first time I really noticed it was, that was a Saturday, Sunday, Michigan, Florida State. I didn't watch most of the game, but the fouls ended up being, like, 22 to 8. And every time Florida State was driving, they were just getting pounded body-wise, and there was no calls. And, and then... When Michigan played, um, who they play UCLA last night, they UCLA was driving. They were calling fouls, and then they got beat. It was, it was, you could see there was a difference in yeah. how the officiating was being called. But so I noticed prior to the tournament, I noticed it a lot this year. I didn't really talk about it, but I noticed it a lot. It used to piss me off. Um, the charge call has been driving me nuts this year in college basketball. There's been a lot more, and I think a lot more guys driving are lowering the. I don't think they're like. I don't think it's a charge, but as soon as they start to lower their shoulder, they're just calling it. So the problem I've noticed is it just it, it creates – what it does, it puts the ref in an awkward situation because now he's got to make a call. Right. A good ref, if it's neither here nor there, they're going to tell you yeah, it's yeah, nothing. Get up and – Get up and play. <clears throat> and that's what needs to happen because I've seen some of these calls, like they call a charge. Like guys are on fast breaks. Guy runs down the court, gets in front of a guy, and stops like real quick. Right. And then takes it. It's like, that's not a charge. Yeah. And that's, to me, like, that's the shit they need to put a kibosh on. And I've seen a ton of that this year, and I'm like, those are not charges. You can't just jump in front of a guy in a fast break, stop for a split second, and be like, well, I had I had, I had, had the space. I had control. And you right. didn't. 
I mean, the definition of that is a player control foul. Yeah. And most of these times, I don't feel like these guys are out of control going to the basket, but they, they're allowing, allowing guys to stop like on a split second. They're like, that's not, that's not a charge. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. That's not a charge. Yeah. The only, the only thing I'm, I really enjoyed when they came out with it was the scheduling. With those first days being Friday, Saturday. For the tournament. Yeah, because you got all-day basketball Friday, Saturday. Right. You know, there was games every hour. Whereas usually we see all-day Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday is going to be like 2, 5, 7, 8, 9, 10. Right. So it, it did help, but then I didn't like it once we got to the second weekend and it was Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Because it felt like it was just like dragged out more. Even though, even though the tournament's not any longer than it. Right. It, you know, the tournament's still... Final Four still Saturday, Championship Monday, just like it all is always every year. But just felt like waiting those days and then Saturday, Sunday, you're right. Saturday and Sunday there was a game at 2, 5, 7, 10. Yeah, last week I looked for games, and I'm like, must be they're not, again, out of the loop. I was just too busy. Yeah, it was. And I didn't like, I thought it was very odd, obviously being in Indianapolis during Eastern time zone, so it was very odd for them to have the games Monday, Tuesday at 7 and 10. I don't know. And Are they, they Eastern? Yeah. So I don't know what they're they're playing. They were playing on different courts because Lucas Oil they split into two courts. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the point was like doing seven and ten. Like ten ten o'clock obviously is late for obviously our college kids, but that's late for to start a basketball game. Yeah. It, Some of those schools too, I didn't realize they're not close. Like where they had the facility. Some of them are like an right. hour and a half away. Yeah, they're all yeah, they're all over. They'd be like hosting here and like you have a court here and one in Rochester. Yeah. Like they weren't actually that I mean if Technically, same city by their right. definition is closer, but could yeah. be also 10 miles on the road because the traffic is an right. hour and a half. I don't know, but I did like it being all in one city, but they can't do that. There aren't many cities you can, you know, have that. You know, you could go to the LA's and New York's and, and you know, those big ones, but right, that ruins, I guess, the economy across the country at that point, right? Think about how many, what, there's 16 sites. There's a lot of cities that can the handle first and second round. round yeah. So, yeah. It, like a Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, like it helps It helps those tiny places, but I, I I enjoyed it, and and I think I mentioned it, I don't know, probably a couple months ago. Signed me up for Gonzaga, Baylor, in the title game, and I'd be all in, and that's we, uh, we got a, po- a chance for it. So Baylor's got, like, grown-ass men on their team. Yeah. I think a very good matchup would be, I th- it's going to be hard to beat Gonzaga. But yeah. I think Gonzaga Houston would be a very good game. Houston's very tough defensively. That's why Houston to Baylor's going to be a good game. I think Gonzaga wins by. You could tell me they're favored by twenty five, and it wouldn't. I wouldn't flinch at it. Gonzaga over Baylor? Yeah, no, Gonzaga over um, UCLA. UCLA, yeah. Gonzaga is far superior to any of those teams. I think I think Baylor's the only team that could give them a run. Houston can't. I don't think Houston can score with them. Where Baylor could, I heard Bill Walton was pissed off that Pac-12 teams were in the bracket and can possibly play each other like prior to like the Elite Eight. You yeah. see that? Every, everyone, there's always a possibility every year. It's like so it doesn't shut up, Bill Walton. <laughs> Smoke a little more weed or whatever the hell. Well, acid. He's probably an acid. Well, but. what had not happened? Everybody thought Michigan State was going to beat UCLA in the playing game. So yeah, <laughs> that's true. No, I missed basketball because I was busy watching golf and last weekend <laughs> watched some dirt racing. Actually, it was Monday. I didn't watch it. It was on Monday because it yeah. kept getting postponed. But was it postponed because of rain? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's dirt, so dirt slash clay. Right. 
they also got enough rain down there that the parking lots were flooded. Yeah, I did hear that. Oh, really? They said people people couldn't get in and out of the track, wow. so it wasn't just track conditions. Yeah, it is harder though. Like it's tough to control that. Like when you get a ton of rain, it takes longer to work in the track. You got almost got to rework at what you've already done, just because of the, the, the moisture. But dude, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah I wish I would watch. I forgot. I remember I set a DraftKings lineup, and then, like, Sunday evening I, like, looked. And that's why I, I think I texted you, boy, you were doing, because racing wasn't on. But then I remembered, I was like, oh, Monday I'll flip it on, because it was, like, 4 o'clock or whatever it was. And mm-hmm. then I forgot all about it again. Truck race was at noon. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what helped me win money. DK, Geezy texted me at, like, 3 o'clock, and he goes, hey, hurry up. He goes, uh, Truex Jr. just did real well in the truck race. Hurry up and put them in your lineups. So I hurried up and yeah, he did do really me. well. Yeah. It helped me, but then I forgot all about it an hour later after I changed my lineup. There was a guy in the truck series. He actually raced his first Cup series. Uh, texted you, yep. uh, Stuart Friesen. Yep. Uh, when I helped the guys with cars, we raced against him. Oh really? He's got over nine hundred dirt wins in his career. Yep. He's from like the Syracuse area. Okay. So he races at like Fulton in that area. And then he come down here. I, th- I want to say like you'd see him like two or three times a year for bigger races. He'd show up, and the guys I helped, they had this weird thing like they always parked like way the fuck out in the pits, like because it's just a big field. So he was parked like way out away from everybody. And Friesen had a hauler that was like it looked like a extended semi for the body, and then it had like the hauler that had like three cars in it or some shit. <laughs> so he was like parked out by us because. He had space, but I was telling Russ, you had a hauler's probably worth almost 200 grand. I said worth more yeah. than the Woodhall Raceway. <laughs> yeah. You ain't shit. I mean, he had some backing, too. That's, you knew, I mean, he was one of those guys when he showed up, you're like, Friesen's here tonight. Like, people knew, like, who he was. There was a couple guys, but he was one of them. And I want to say we may have raced against him down in Rolling Wheels, which is down on 81, off 81. I think that's the name of it, Rolling Wheels. Stun off 81, like not on the other side of Binghamton. But. Yeah. Were, were there a lot of guys that raced in both? There were a few. Multiple, yeah. yeah. I don't know all. I know Bubba Wallace did both. Truex Jr. I don't know how many. but Yeah, there was a few freezing. <clears throat> he had a. So he finished 12th in a truck race in like 20th-ish had car. Didn't, didn't see where he finished. Yeah. Do you think they did it so that when they race the trucks, they get a better feel for it and then. It's possible. Because obviously it was the same day, so uh, had a better feel for the track. I mean, originally it wasn't supposed to be that way, right? But I think those guys throw their name in the hat to that they want to race in the truck race, probably for that reason. But I think there's a lot of the team owners in the truck series that have contracts with guys that aren't for every race, so they're they have, they have they'll have different guys that'll drive the same truck and probably had guys that didn't want to race in the dirt so they were looking for guys right. i definitely saw adjustments they made so yeah. I, they did like a pit after every what stage, stage. Yep. Yep. and the pit wasn't like you didn't lose your spot yeah in line like where you were and it wasn't like over the wall hurry up they gave them three minutes three minutes they didn't have a pit crew there they were all mechanics and stuff oh. and, and i think they so they obviously ran dirt tires. I believe they were only allowed to change their tires twice during those pit stops yep. at the end of the stage. Yep. So Did they give them a car wash too in between. Yes, Wind, windshields. Well, so, yeah, but I, I was wondering about like the mud underneath. Mm, you don't always want to do that. Yeah, it helps 
helps keeps the car on the ground. On the ground. <laughs> yeah. Heavier. But I, they had guys, and they showed guys in the trucks had, like, these, like, it, window things. Like, like it would, yeah, like, almost like a Swiffer. Yeah. They were <laughs> magnetized to their frame, so they could pull it off and clean the inside of the Oh, windshield. the actual, like, racers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I think somebody did it during the race because a guy came over the radio and he think it was a guy in front of him. He's like, he just reached out his window. Yeah. <laughs> and I think he, like, he cleaned his windshield. And that was the one thing I said to you. I texted you and I said, they should have found a way to run these cars. Because I'll be honest, I saw a lot of really dumb tweets. Like, oh, they show the in-car game. You can't see shit. It's like. I race on dirt. It's what, called what dirt. You, yeah. <laughs> but I texted you and I said, I, I wish they would have found a way to take the windshields off. Because that that actually would have helped the driver. So you take the those modifies and stuff. They don't have windshields. Their helmets have uh, they're called tearaways. So you like you throw them on, and then when they get muddy and shitty, like you just oh it like peels off. Just peels off. Then you got a new. So you'll be watching a race, and all of a sudden you see these things just like floating in the air. And that's all it is. It's a tearaway. They just rip off real quick while they're driving. So there's like multiple layers on, and they just Mm -hmm. gotcha. Yeah. Or I knew a lot of guys that would keep. Uh, like a grease rag in the in the car, and it was just like kind of between their legs, and yeah, you hit the helmet and keep it going. Yeah, and that's how the windshields are too. They have like twenty right, yeah. tearaways on there. Um, yeah, I, it, it would have been interesting to see these guys in the, you know, like a modified dirt car. Yeah, but but at the same time, I know like when you think about Woodhall, the size of Woodhall, that track is tiny, right? And that mm-hmm. it's rel- like a quarter mile, even relative to bristol yeah. oh yeah yeah so what, bristol's like three quarters of a mile i don't remember exactly okay. it's Woodhull small might not be a quarter but it's it's small yeah so a little bit different racing they'd be going to the corners much faster at bristol i mean they still almost hit 100 miles an hour yeah they were, they were hitting 100 doing corners of like 80 ish so on one hand i'm i, I was with you it have been interesting to see these guys jump in a completely different car yep but I also get like, hey, this is NASCAR. This is our car. Go out and deal with it on the dirt. And I, I kind of get that aspect of it. So too. they had, I didn't really, I'm pretty sure, but they had a modified race there the weekend before. Logano ran they a car. Did. Yeah, so did uh, Chase Elliott. Because remember, I showed you that picture of Chase Elliott's car. With the late model, yeah. Thinking that's what they were running. Yep. But no, that was actually what he drove the last weekend yeah. there. So. It was a ton of fun to watch, but I said to Alien, I were watching, I'm like, it's still fun to watch, like, a modified because of the suspensions on them. Right. Like, just those guys drive it hard in a corner and just throw it sideways. And you yeah. just see guys going in, like, you could barely put a slice of paper between them. They're just All going. Right. Are they going to do it again? Yep. They, so they announced during the cup race Wednesday, or Monday that it's officially on the schedule for next year. That's oh, okay. another dirt race. There's uh, El, Eldoro, I, I, Eldorado or whatever it is, Eldoro. Let's look it up. It's out in like Ohio. Mm-hmm. It's another dirt race that some oh, of those guys yeah. race in. Gotcha. I mean, I assume Bristol's the only one they would do that in because obviously they don't bring as much because dirt the, clay. The yeah. So that would be a shitload that yeah. they'd have to bring. They listed it. The track is just over half a mile, 0.533 miles. Bristol's? Yes. Okay. Um, Didn't they say it was like, was it, it was like over like 2,100 truckloads? I didn't hear that, but I was going to mention, like, you think about all the dust, that not just the track, but all the dust that flew around and everything, like, that's got to be a nightmare to clean that up. It is. I mean, (laughs) obviously they've thought of that, and they've got a process, but 
That's not just like a one day thing. I wouldn't think. Who's this guy? No, they've, I mean, they've got good equipment. It probably helps clean it up on the track that it's, um, one asphalt underneath it. So you're not just keep digging. Yeah. But they said they brought in the base layer was actually sawdust. Oh yeah. And then they packed it in on top of that. Did you see how thick they kept it? Yes. They actually said they had it down to a science. Like they knew like to the millimeter what they were packing it. I was trying to look up like how much dirt they put on there, but. Uh, Ross, did you have Fogarty to get his first career NHL goal tonight? Uh, no, I did not. <laughs> All right, who the hell that guy is? Um, so yeah, it was it was interesting, fun to watch. I was just I just I was reading tweets. I'm like, people are like, can't see shit out of. I'm like, yeah, shut up. Yeah, more than two thousand truckloads of dirt. Two thousand yeah. truckloads. It's more like a more like a clay. I remember they built my parents' house, and yeah. they, they took, like, 50 out of there, and I was like, that's a lot. <laughs> 2,000. <laughs> 2,000. Yeah, it's it's closer to, like, a clay consistency. It's very, like, that's when all, it's wet, too, it's, like, too, clunky clay. and shit, but. That's why I playing baseball down there in that area. It's just all on clay. Like, you slide, it's just, you get up, and your pants are red. Like that yeah, red clay. <laughs> so, if we we got to make a Woodhall trip this summer. We got a lot of fans. We got to go up there and, like. I'm actually searching that right now. I want to see how big the how, bull ring how is. Long that trick the, is the bull that, ring. That's what they call it, dude. <laughs> the bull ring. Did you watch that video I sent you the other day? I watched a little bit of it, yeah. From my like heydays. I didn't realize how old that was. It made me feel old. It's like two thousand like thirteen. I had a GoPro I used to strap to the car. I have a I used to have a bunch of other footage too. We strap a GoPro to like the bar above uh like the driver's head. Oh, yeah. Try it a couple other places. You got to be careful. One, GoPros aren't cheap. Two, right. it's not just clean dirt out there. There are some rocks that come flying. <laughs> so we used to uh, tether it with zip ties to the back of the window, like behind the drivers. And I w- we had some cool stuff like on, like go out like during hot laps or whatever and like throw it on. But that's when the track's really muddy. So sometimes you pick up a lot of mud and like you think you'd have good shit and then you you throw the card in the in the computer, like on just all brown, and it'll, like you get like five laps in, and like this mud would just hit the camera, and it was there the rest of the race. We're like, well, shit, that didn't work. But I used to have some cool stuff. There used to be a video out on YouTube. We went over to Black Rock, Dundee, over in that area one time for a big race. And if you've ever been over there, they don't pull the fans, but those cars they just run wide open over there. So Woodhall, you got to like it's banked, and you got a break going in. Over there, it's pretty much just running wide open. So when you wreck, it's excessive. Right. And they got these turtle backs on the corners on the inside the infield. And it was dark out. And your view from the pits to the track is different than Woodhall because Woodhall, you're kind of elevated so you can see down down Mm -hmm. to the track. And we had a big race at Woodhall that weekend, but they had a Friday night at Dundee. So we're like, yeah, let's take the car over. Like, we can win some cash. So we're in the pits watching, I mean, running wide open, starting to get dusty for the for the feature. <clears throat> the next thing I know, I see a car just just get past, like, the flag stand and just start tumbling. Like, just mm-hmm. it hit and it just started, like, rolling. And it was a black car, and that's what we had. And I'm like, holy shit. And, like, that was it was right around where, like, Bobby was running. And I'm like, oh. And, like, it just, you don't, you don't know. Right. And then the car circle around and like we're up by the fence, like looking like 
Is he there? Is he there? Yes, here he comes. And he like, <laughs> it was like he didn't have it. I had a GoPro on the car. I wish I still had that footage. Car flipped. He drove under it. He had nowhere to go. So he right. just like, he kind of like dove to the left and like right underneath it. And there used to be a video out on YouTube. Somebody was filming in the infield that night and caught the whole wreck coming across the flag stand, him driving under the car. Looked like something out of a damn movie. <laughs> And we're like, we were so pumped. We're like, we came out of the unscathed and like five laps left. Somebody spun him out and somebody didn't hit the brakes and just right inside of the car. So yeah. it was a late night with the, uh, I was going to text you. I saw some, they're in the pits with a big rubber mallet. <laughs> like, dude, that thing brings back memories. <laughs> Tin snips and rubber mallets. But. Woodhall's a one third of a mile. Yeah. Not much smaller. Dude, it's the old bull ring, man. <laughs> Two, t- two tenths of a mile is a lot of dirt to bring in, though. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So they have a contest every year they used to. It's called uh, King of the Ring. That, the guys that go out and race, it was a blind draw. You race one on one for a lap. Winner stays. You just do that for like, it was like a special they do in between races. Huh. And Bobby won it the one year and won like 600 bucks. <laughs> it was a good time. <laughs> All right. Enough dirt racing. Let's talk some golf. Uh, what did we miss? Match we had match play, which yeah. I was home for. Match play players, players, which I think I was in Carolina for. Yep. But there was a Honda in between, but that was it. In the Honda, and we got the Masters next week. Masters next week. So if, if you're listening to this, don't call me between Thursday and Sunday. I'm not answering, <laughs> unless you're calling me to tell me you're coming here to watch the tournament. Uh, match play. Might be my one of my favorite tournaments, and I think it's completely undervalued by some people. Yeah, yeah. I, I I enjoy watching it. Yeah, so do I. I, I have a match play. I would right. I would obviously you're much better golfer than I am. I would much rather play match play against you than stroke play. You know, it's it, more exciting. It, it, yeah, it's more exciting and it evens the playing field a little bit. Oh, you're playing. You're I mean, playing you, the could, guy, you could obviously right. you could right. You could come back from five down if a guy has one bad hole but especially for those guys very rare one of them going to put up like a eight on a hole all right but it's one hole right and they're done with it and they go on to the next one saw a couple of, a couple of that this weekend guys dumping the water in that part of three hit two in the water like let's go to the next tee <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's, let's keep it moving so i i don't dislike billy horschel but i can't stand watching him play golf his little idiosyncrasies yeah he's so slow he is, I, I love his swing, but yeah. I, he is like, we're, when Ron texted us, and I basically made a comparison, he's pretty much the Nomar Garcia Parra of golf. <laughs> yeah. Garcia Parra's little, after every pitch, he'd get out and adjust his batting gloves. That's what I think of when I think I of Billy Horschel. I forgot Nomar. Nomar. Yeah. It's, just, it's painful to watch, in my opinion. I heard, I saw a lot of stuff about the slow play. I saw Mark Kalkovacchia tweeted something like, oh, my kid went and played 18 today. Had a couple beers, went home, grilled out, and tournament wasn't over. I almost feel like saying, "Well, your kid wasn't playing for one point eight million dollars." Yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. not, I'm not saying that relative to the slow play. It's just no Horschel is very it's deliberate, just trying yeah. to understand what the hell he's even doing. It, so I did you know. hear earlier in the week well, they asked him about that. And he said it's he's just trying to get comfortable, like when he putts. Yeah, well, yeah. but it's funny when he putts. As soon as he like finally when he gets set over, it's like boom, it's Pulls gone. The trigger, yeah. yeah. As he soon says as he's like. That whole creeping up on the ball, he said, is like part of his process of, 
Oh, he lines the ball up and then he sneaks up on it. He says, "I might bite I, him." I don't. I, yeah. <laughs> hey, you gotta watch out. <laughs> I don't know. It, I liked. I'm so glad they went to the pool play. It, it makes it makes a much. What it's been about seven eight years, I think. Not since sure. They changed, but I'm glad they did. But yeah, it's it makes it much easier. It gives guys. I mean, obviously, I'm sure you guys are surprised too. Only one of the top seeds and in those group plays got through. Which, yeah, which I think shows the Rom wasn't it? Yeah, Rom was the only only top seed to get through, which is good to see. And it obviously shows parity how good some of these other guys are, right? I mean, you saw who Kucher uh, Kucher played uh, was a Harmon in like the quarters. They were like fifty four and fifty two, yeah. whatever it was. Yeah, it's like like you know, like ten years ago, you wouldn't have saw that. You might have saw one of those guys get through, but you wouldn't have saw. And obviously, look at even what. Horschel and Shuffler were 30 and 32. So, yeah. I mean, they were like two seeds in their group plays, but still, it's you, in the past, I don't think you would have seen that much parity amongst all the guys. I screwed up because when I did our picks for our pool, I like jokingly like typed up our picks. I still need yours, by the way. Oh, yeah. You're the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, I put down Fertelli, Scheffler, and Spieth. And I was like, the All Texas crew. And I was like, nah, it's just too cheesy. So I made, like, other picks. I think I kept Spieth in there. Then, of course, as the week went on, I'm like, you're an idiot. Be- yeah. And I'm like, I knew I knew better, like, after the fact. So University of Texas has their own course, but they also they, play. They always play there all the always play a t- I, I picked those three were big in my DraftKings lineup last week. Yeah, because they all play there all the time. And then I was like, no, it can't be, right? The All-Texas right. career. Then I'm like, oh, you're an idiot. You probably should have picked them. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Yeah, some of those guys, like. Coocher smoked Thomas the first day there. Yeah. It, I mean, I I think everybody thought Thomas would play well, obviously coming off the players and everything else, you know, it's could be a winner it, winner hangover. Yeah. But but it, to me it also like an upset in this tournament isn't nearly as shocking as like a a one seed losing in the NCAA correct, correct. tournament yeah. cuz you know, a guy a name like Matt Coocher winning and moving on to me, it doesn't surprise right. me at yeah. all, no matter what rank you have next to them. And golf is so damn deep, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like this week we got the Texas, Valero Texas Open. We didn't have it last year, but 19, Corey Connors won it, and he Monday qualified into that year. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you get, yeah, you take the top 64. Anybody can be beat any day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have – if you have four or five bad holes, you're probably done. Right? I think it's, it was you and Ron in Texas. I said this might be the hardest tournament on tour to win. Just because, yep. like, you, well, you, you, you have gotta, to get out of the pool play. Yeah, you got to grind it out. And then it's 36 Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. So, well, I mean, you can win 36, but you could have a uh, relatively bad round and still win a stroke play tournament. You, right. You can't do that in this. Right. In a bad round, you're going home. Unless you're in the finals and <laughs> one guy <laughs> makes a birdie. Yeah, that yeah, was no. that was not the best golf watching the two. No. The, I mean, there was some poor. Poor choices, yeah. I thought, by Scheffler. But it, it was tough to tell if they were getting tired or. Yeah, it could be with Scheffler with his legs, like everything yeah. started going left. Like Horschel, Horschel didn't look like he ever got tired, but right, he was just hitting center of the green and two. It felt like he's you know two button and and he just missed a, quite a few birdies. He was he was just burning edges, but he you know he was just hitting center of the green and it felt like Scheffler was trying to push it and. It hurt him a couple times. Yeah, he was, yeah. The, the bunker shot Horschel hit. I was like 16, part five. Oh, from the seven, 17. So, 
17 was probably three. I think it was 16. He needed, like, it looked like he was going to be done there. And well, then I mean, he made yeah, the, par. The, the one he, he laid up to the wedge, and then he hit yeah, the wedge over like 15 yeah, yards yeah, long. Yep. And he did it earlier in the round. I don't know what hole yes. it was, 12, 13. The one by the 12, water. yeah. The part, but that bunker shot on 16, yeah. I text you, I'm like, people have no idea how good that was. Yeah. Like, yeah. Most people have no idea. Like, that ball wasn't plugged, but it was basically plugged. Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were like, it just hopped out, and I was like, it still looks like it's under a little bit. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and that, yeah, that was an, a really good bunker shot. I think that that was probably the sealer right there. But yes. Yeah, I love the match play, and I love, I watched a shitload of that. I, I guess I never realized how much Scheffler's feet move. Because that's obviously you're watching him like during regular tournaments, but like obviously the camera was on him a lot over the weekend, Saturday and yeah. Sunday. And it was like, dude, he is all over the place. That, I think that's why Poulter made a really good point today. He made, he posted something about the whole slow play thing. He was like, keep in mind, like, it may have seemed slow to you, but there was only two matches on the golf course. Right. Yeah. Where does the camera go in between? Yeah. So, yeah, you're going to see a lot of in between. And yeah. they mentioned it, and it was only, it was like four hours and 20 minutes. It wasn't bad because they started like 3.30. It wasn't terrible. That's normal then. Yeah. Yeah. That is absolutely normal. So yeah, but yeah, I yeah I think that's a good point. It's, yeah, with two matches, like what are you going to show? It's, yeah, it's not like you bounce around and show <laughs> right. a shot after shot after shot. Yeah. Um, we'd be really terrible podcasters if we didn't talk about the Kevin Nod Dustin Johnson situation, which I did some more digging on today. Did some more digging on. So, all right. Do you want to tell us what you dug, or do you want our opinions, or what? I kind of know your opinion, but, yeah, your opinions. I mean, clearly clearly it was a no-brainer gimme, okay? But the bottom line is it's not good until the other guy says it's good. Correct. And when Dustin rolled the putt and basically quick-raked it, didn't even give Nah a chance to say it's good. Club pro guy, be proud. Yeah. <laughs> That's 100% Dustin Johnson's fault. Correct. Now, Kevin Knott clearly was going to give it to him, et cetera. But a guy like Dustin Johnson, his stature, has to know that it's not good until it's good, especially in a match play tournament. Yeah. We saw – I don't I don't remember the tournament. It was one of the girls' amateur tournaments a couple years ago. Remember this scenario? Where oh. The, was it the Solheim Cup with Suzanne Patterson? No, this, I thought it was an NCA. This was, yeah, it might have. It, it was I an amateur. It, I think it was an NCA tournament. Yeah, where this exact scenario happened and got blown up in golf media, where the girl did the same thing. She rolled it, it missed, and she immediately picked it up. And based on those amateur rules or whatever that tournament right. was, the other girl wasn't allowed to give it to yeah. her because she had already picked it up. Yeah, I think it was like the. I think it was the national championship. I don't know why Oregon's sticking in my head, like Oregon, Stanford, Oregon, right. USC, or something. So. To anyone that maybe doesn't play golf or doesn't play match play style tournaments, it may seem like a, t- a ticky tack kind of thing. Right. Dustin Johnson has to know that that putt is not good until Kevin Na says that's good, even if it's somewhat implied. Right. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I completely agree. I didn't like how Na handled it, like <laughs> calling him all the way back down. <laughs> so I so I had it on mute, so I wasn't listening because I was in the waiting room at the doctor's. So I was just watching, but and I was and when I saw Dustin walking back down the hill, I was like, "Oh, I bet you he didn't give him the putt." Mm-hmm. But then obviously I didn't know till after I got home later that night when I looked. Let there not be light. Yeah. Um. But so I don't know. 
so I don't, maybe you guys can tell me, did, did Johnson walk away and then not like called him back down to talk to him about it? So if that's the case, I think they, I did read Nas still had like a three footer. So maybe DJ just was going to make him putt it and walked away. Okay. Cause I thought he like called him down. I was like, couldn't you just like talk to him on the next tee and told him instead of like calling him back down to the green, telling him about it. And then, yeah, yeah I don't, I don't quite know that. So I, I the story. I've heard both sides of that. Like, why didn't he do it the next tee or whatever? Right. And to your he, point, he ended up giving it to him, right. right? So then, to your point, you said, like you said, uh, it happened before. You can't give it after it's right. It's already been picked yeah. up. And is there? Maybe you're getting into this. I don't know, but is there some sort of rule in match play where you need to uh, understand who won that hole before you leave that hole? Kind of situation. Yes. So that could play into that. So I think the. Rule change. There is a rule change in place now that if you were to pick up a putt not conceded, you can put it back, no penalty. They have changed that. If there's a misunderstanding, like okay, like just the other day or before before that before this all happened. Okay, so here's what I found because earlier in the week I'd heard the announcers say, "Oh, there's a walking official with every group," right? Which I still don't know how true that was because I felt like at times they still had to wait for an official to show up for rulings. <laughs> right. So I'm like, what officials walking with the group? I agreed 100% with Kevin Na because, in my opinion, I don't. it's not about how long the putt was. You're putting on a, a difficult situation, especially if there's an official in the group. And before you get to your thing, I'm guessing if that was, I'm just going to make up a name, I don't know if this would be true. If like if that was Scotty Scheffler, would he have done the same thing? Obviously, Na's a veteran on right. the tour. Good question. Well, like, would Scheffler have done the same thing? Or how, how would someone younger have handled that with DJ being who he is? I'm curious how, how they would have handled that. Yeah. So here's what I came I found. I actually found an article where they talked to a rules official after the fact. So he said, the first player I talked to was Dustin, and I asked Dustin to please explain to me what had occurred on the 11th hole and what led to him lifting his ball. And he said, I saw that he had missed the putt, and I said, I wanted to hear in his words what exactly happened that made you think you could lift the ball, and that putt was con- at lift the ball, and that the putt was conceded. And he said, while I was walking towards the hole, it was windy. I thought I heard him say, it's good. So I scooped it away. And I said, so you heard him say, that's good? And he said, yes, I did. I didn't think anything of it, and I walked away, and I wasn't until later that Kevin came up to me and said, hey, I didn't concede that putt, just so you know, next time make sure. Because Johnson said there was a miscommunication, he would have been allowed to replace the ball without penalty. It's rule, looks like 3.2-B, two in parentheses. But because Na said he was going to concede the putt, we're not going to make them take the putt back and place it. If Johnson had told the rules committee he had not heard nah, and the two had said, well, I'm going to overlook it, I'm going to concede that putt, that would have been a disqualification for both players. So that explains a little more why nah, okay. again, in a, in a difficult situation, he's got to, like, that's why he said something. Whether he knew that rule or not, like, it's, it still puts him in an awkward situation. So if you have a three footer, you should just pull it away quick and be like, "Sorry, I thought you said it was good." And to, and, to be, <laughs> and the more I think about it, like, I mean, Nas hundred percent correct in this. Right. He, oh, he yeah. had every right to say, "Dude, yeah. just just give me a second to say it's good," even though it's implied. Ultimately, what Dustin believe he heard, 
And of course, in golf, we always take players to the word. The rules are based on that. People are always acting with honesty, integrity, and that's what went into them making a decision. There's also a rule of match play that you cannot, you cannot concede a putt after it's been picked up, technically. Mm-hmm. So in the new rule change, if there was a miscommunication, he could have put the ball back and not could have conceded yeah. the putt. Okay. But if they would have walked to the next hole, he, and technically what Nod did isn't right. Because he, I mean, yeah, he could have put it down. That's why they said, the rules official talked to him, said that's why we didn't, basically we just kind of let it go. Because had they got a ruling there and they would ask him the same questions, he can put the ball back and you can just say, okay, it's good. Right. But if like they just don't, they just ignore that, like not could have been an asshole and probably just taken the hole. I don't think some people understand that either. Yeah, and right. and not came back and won that match, right? Yeah, he won one. And, up. Yeah, it, I I looked. I was I was getting my shots in my eyes, but they, I went back and like looked at the match, and it went, after that happened, it looked like DJ like fell apart. Like I mean, it was nah, like it was in his head almost. Like I don't. I mean, not nah made some putts. Right. I think he made some putts coming down the last couple of holes, but um, but they said, you know. It, they, even I read some tweets that said DJ looked out of sorts after that happened. Yeah. Well, I mean, he always looks like he doesn't give well, a shit yeah. out there. But, right. True. Yeah. And as awkward as that conversation may have looked, imagine if they nothing was said and they got two holes later and, you, you know, you check in, hey, I've got you two holes up. And then he says, well, no, I'm only one up or whatever. And then you've got to yeah, try right. to figure out where the discrepancy is. Imagine. Right. Yeah. The awkwardness of trying to figure that think, out. Think about that. Like even entirely this this situation, but in stroke play, right? If I I think it was at the eighteen uh, T Pro Am this year, someone's ball like rolled, moved in the fairway when he set his club down, and they were trying to figure out if if it was his club that made it move or it that? just moved. I forget who it was, but they didn't. They're like in the final group. They assess until later. Yeah, they didn't assess penalty until like three holes later, and it's like. So then, obviously, on the hole he took par. Let's say he took par in the hole when it moved. It was the first hole, I think. And then, like, on hole four, instead of taking, like, a four, he had to take, like, a six on that hole because that's when they assessed it. But, like, getting that assessment, luckily right? Luckily for him, it was, you know, early on in the round. Can you imagine doing that on, like, 15 and on, like, 17 or 18? Like, oh, you like, mean hey. like you did to Lexi Thompson? Well, didn't it happen? The day before? Well, oh, Rom, right? Rom, during the... Memorial last year, remember? Amanda had to ask him in the interview after. Oh, yeah, about tell, him, shot. tell him about his chip shot, his penalty. Yeah. Obviously, in that case, it didn't matter, but same thing, right? It's because they wait so long to assess those. They go back and look at the video for yeah. half an hour, and it's like, just make, make a determination. Take two or three minutes right there. Make a determination, and that's what it is. You know what, you know what is really frustrating about? I can't, I'm, I'm trying to think who that was. I remember it vividly. Because he like called over his playing partners and stuff, yeah. and never talk about it. It's so dumb because by the rules of golf and definition, you have to have intent in your swing, right, to be considered a stroke. Right. So why is it a penalty? Like if you set your club down and like the ball moves, there was no intent there. Yeah, yeah. Because if you if you're taking practice stroke, didn't Zach Johnson do it at the Masters last year? Year Sheffler before, did right? it a few weeks ago. Yeah, took a practice right. putting stroke and it went sideways. Or Wolf. Yeah. Or Matt Wolf. Wait, yeah. Wait. Yeah, yeah. If he he hits it in his practice swing, it doesn't count as anything, right? Yeah. But yeah, you set your club be you and know, the ball an rolled that it way. And it moves just enough, and it's like it's, it's it, it the dumbest no thing sense. in the world. It makes no sense. Golf is hard. It was like it was like <laughs> T. Willis, stat boy, who's not here tonight. He was like, "Yeah, we were talking about this rule earlier. 
because I said, I keep hearing, like, I, I thought I heard they said they could be DQ'd. Do you know anything about this? He's like, I don't. We were talking about it. And he's like, it's probably somewhere in the decisions book, which is like the size of the Bible. Like, it's not, it's like the rule book, then a decisions book, which is 100% correct. The thing is like the Bible. I, I love watching the Valero just because there's some guys that, right, they have to win to get in the Masters. So those guys that aren't in yet. Yeah. Because those are the guys that, you know, you want to put money on maybe. And because, you know, they're the ones that are fighting for it. Where some of these other guys are getting in there just to get another week of golf in. So they're ready for next week for the Masters. Pulling hard for Joel Damon this week. Yeah. That hell of a win by him last week. That was crazy. I was listening to an interview with his caddy. Um, he was on Tour Junkies, which is I listened to for uh, DraftKings. They had him on. They know him and Joel. Um, they've done some stuff with him. So they had him on, I think it was Monday night. And he said a couple of times, he, he said, Joel hasn't been playing well. And he said a week ago, he said they, they I don't know, if players maybe, he missed the cut. But he goes, we are coming down 18th players. And I looked and I said, dude, you're hitting the ball very well. We're gonna miss the cup by like two, but you're hitting the ball well. You're it's gonna come around, and sure enough, obviously came around this week. Yeah, he missed what six of his last seven cuts or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So, but they said he said it was just he said I had full confidence in him. He said at one point, and I guess they showed it. I didn't watch any of the coverage, but it was like twelfth or thirteenth hole. Joel wanted to hit a three wood, and he goes, "I looked at him. I was like, what the hell are you hitting a three wood for? Where where are you hitting it? He goes in that bunker. He says, why do you want to be in that bunker? Wasn't that a good spot? He goes, no, how about 50 yards short of the green? It's a lot easier from there than the 30-yard bunker shot you're going to hit. He said they argued back and forth in the fairway for like 20 minutes. He goes, then he up and hitting the three wood. They were in a bunker when it happened, when when they were arguing about it, and he topped the three wood out, and he said, (laughs) he said he's always got comments. But he goes, I guess he always tweets about them, like if Joel mentioned something funny during the round. But he hasn't been playing well, so he hasn't been tweeting about it because he doesn't want to, you know, make it the situation worse. But Joel tops it out of the bunker and it rolls like fifty yards. And as he walks out the bunker, he goes, "Can I reach the green from there?" <laughs> he, goes, he goes, "Yeah, you got like two ten into a thirty mile an hour wind, but you can get there from there." So I don't think I've told you yet. I found out who Club Pro guy was. You found out? Yes. CPG guy. Oh, yes. So I played with a guy the first two days at Pinehurst. Oh no. He's from Lubbock, Texas, and he is really good friends with, do you follow, uh, what is it, West Coast, West Texas Driving Range Pro? I've seen it, but I don't follow him. It's JJ Colleen. He actually Monday qualified into this week. Oh, I, I saw the I saw the headline. So those two are like, the guy I played with and JJ are really good friends. Okay. They play together. And we were talking about Club Pro Guy, and he goes, well, JJ put on like some scramble like a year or two ago. He kept posting pictures of this one hole that had like a porn shop sign in the background. <laughs> Club Pro guy called him and said, I want to sponsor that hole for your tournament. And I said, well, who is it? And he goes, I've asked JJ the same question. He told me I could tell you the guy's name. It won't mean shit to you because it's it's not a former player. It's nobody famous. He's literally an average dude from Kansas City. <laughs> there is nothing special about the guy. It's just like it's his shtick and that's what he does and. He's really popular in, like, the Texas area. But, yeah, he said he's just an average dude from Kansas City. I love that. Because I always thought, I'm like, is it a former player? Like, these guys got it, and they're like, he's, an, he's your normal dude from Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, the rumor had floated around for a while that it was a, 
like a an older tour pro like or Scotty something. McCarron or something like that. Yeah, uh, I I just thought there was there was no way that was somebody somewhat well known, and it was still a secret. Right. It would have been he would have been outed by now. Yeah. Yep. He said it's an average dude, and he said he was just like it's cool as hell. And we got talking out there on Sunday. We we're playing number two, and the guy's name was Dave, and he said. JJ has a podcast. It's called For the People, and he does it with John Patterson, who I think is caddying for him this week. And they both have played on tour. And he, he was telling me, like, JJ needs to make one cut. One cut on the PGA Tour. That's why he started playing again. He makes one cut, and then he has, like, Corn Ferry oh, Tour man. status. So he was saying, like, they have this podcast. It's called, like, For the People. And people, like, tweet in, like, you know, converse, they, like questions or something. And then they go on and like they tell old stories. They talk about what you know when they were out there playing. But he was like, he's like, I called JJ. He goes after we got done playing on uh, Saturday, and he's like, JJ's like, how'd it go? And we we literally finished in the dark Saturday. <laughs> I had I had like a three footer for par. I had to leave the pin in to see the hole. That's how dark it was. And and, and like Cookie yelled to me. Like I come off the green. He's like, hey. I was like, I'm looking all over. I had no idea. And like he was like waving to me. I'm standing at scoring with like I had to take the guy's phone and like to read the scorecard to him to do in scoring like it was pitch black and he's like I called JJ when we got done I was like how was it and he was like oh dude I blew up on the last hole shot 78 and uh, he was like dude there's so many fucking good players here and the average score of the first day was 84 that, that's crazy like that is insane and he's like we we talk about all the time like these guys that are like scratch think they can go out there and play on tour right yeah and he's like there's so many good players here like and average score of the first day was 84 so that's what i don't care what anybody says i'm considering all three of you went like top 50 club champs in the world it doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter that the other ones can't didn't show up or play i'm still calling you top 50 <laughs> <laughs> dude I mean, I mean it would have been nice i so got we, some questions if we want to go to an hour we can we can, uh, so i got a we got a survey from from them after the fact like asking like you know basic questions kind of like almost like a survey monkey kind of thing and one of the things they asked is like time of year to have it and i said april it was my suggestion yeah, you, get a little, you get a little more light well that's part of it because it was daylight savings the first day and oh. we four <laughs> groups didn't finish the first day so i didn't know my tea time for sunday and then you guys tee off like later the first day yes and they were a half hour behind then they didn't start tea times till like 11 30 it seems, yeah, I don't know. When you don't have, what, what was our 140 guys, something like 150, whatever it was? 108 guys, 108 women, 108 seniors. Okay, so 300. <clears throat> well, we didn't all play oh. the same place. Oh, oh, oh right, We right, just right. rotated, right. But, yeah, why wouldn't you start that at, like, obviously, you know people could struggle on those courses, right? Even if you started them at 9 o'clock and spaced them out every 15 minutes you're going to get through, it feels like, you know, much quicker than you guys did. So the course we played on Saturday, we played number six. You played eight or six? Six, two, and eight. Six, two, eight. So we played six, and none of us were slow players. Like, the one lady came up to us who was, like, caddying for, for Dave as his wife, and he was just like, none of you guys are slow. But we're like, we're trying to push daylight. You're playing almost 7,200 yards. And then it's not like the way six is set up. It's like in a giant community. It's not over on the main facility. Oh, right. It's all like it weaves between houses. Like all the holes have houses around it. Yeah, so you got 
it's not like you're going so like, your travel from like green to tea and some of these holes was could be lengthy right it's like you guys aren't playing slow it's just like it's that long to get to your golf ball you spent an hour traveling between holes <laughs> instead of t-dub wanted to carry the bag today i'm like i'll get you a cart he's like no nah. i'm like dude i played there yesterday i'll get you a cart trust me about this one i'll let you walk tomorrow number two you want to walk number eight i'm telling you right now dude you do not want to walk six like you're gonna need a cart he's like all right was he happy with <laughs> yeah, the cart after <laughs> his calves were still he said that his his, his watch or whatever still yeah. said he walked say, like seven miles i was just saying did you guys have your watch i'd be curious like how little like how seven far. Or, between seven and eight miles every day did you make him wash your balls dude not being <laughs> not being funny it's i'm trying to convince him to go caddy at pinehurst he had a conversation with the caddy master he was very good at what he did i'm guessing that taylor was better than i was <laughs> taylor was very good at, <laughs> you think i have i have one he'll probably listen to this and laugh and we'll talk about it i have one regret and it wouldn't really made that much of a difference that day on the last day on the third hole, I, I kind of got boned. I hit a tee shot up the right side in the second hole, and I thought it was fine. And we got up there, and the, the hazard line comes way out by the car. I mean, the hazard line probably came 25 yards off the wood line, like all the way out near the fairway, like a foot off the cart path. And I'm like, well, I can get a club on it. But my ball had settled in like a hole, and it looked like a snake hole. But I'm in the hazard, so I can't take a drop. Right. So I got like this U-shaped mud like the wall and my balls in it. And I'm like, I can't get a club on this. He's like, no, no, I think you can. I'm like, I can't get a club on this. I'll take the drop. I'll play for, you know, try to make par if I make six. That's better than making a big number. Because I, I would have had to try to get it, one a club on it and weave between like four trees. So I just did the smart thing. I'm like, dude, second hole. Let's take it easy here. So I made, I made six. We get to the next hole. He beats me to the tee. And he's got a yardage book on him that I bought and he's like looking at it and he just, I, it's my one, like, I wish I would have done the only hole. I wish I would have done different. <laughs> he gets up there and he just reaches in my bag and he just takes the head car off and hands me the three, but he goes, here you go. Hit this. I'm like, well, we got to that bunker. Just hit that. And he's like, it's like two sixty five there, or two eighty to that bunker. It was like up the left side and the hole kind of sloped this way. I was like, all right. So I get up there and it was like a little cross. It was dude, super windy on, on Monday. So you probably got like a 20 mile an hour lane, like coming off the left. And I fan a three wood just a little bit. So now I've got like 210 into this hole straight up the hill. And I got look, I'm like, dude, I should just hit the fucking driver. Like if I was gonna, if I'm gonna fan this thing, I should, I'm like, whatever. I was like on the tee, he's like, dude, hit this. I'm like, all right. Like, that was my only regret. I should have hit driver in a hey, third hole number eight, Taylor. That's good. Trusting your caddy. Dude, he was, he was great. He was reading putts for me. It's so much different on you guys have played Myrtle Beach. It's so much different with uh, Bermuda grass and grain. And he, you know, I had him help me read putts and stuff. And he did, did a really good job at that. And even still, that was tough. Like they were very, you know, some of the holes were, some of the courses were really grainy. I imagine as it's getting darker, it was a little harder to read the greens as well. <laughs> it was hard to see your ball at that point. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't bring out the fluorescent orange yellow ball. We were talking, we were, so we started on the back that day. So we're on number eight. We're on the green. And one guy's where I'm like, should somebody go tee off nine? Like, just go pack it right now. And there just happened to be a guy from the PGA there. And he goes, it's up to your guys' discretion. We sent you a text. Now, I, I didn't get the text until after the fact. But if you, <laughs> it was, like, up to us if we wanted to finish. So then we get the, we get over the 9T. We're waiting for the damn group in front of us. Huh. And 
And we're all looking at each other. I'm like, dude, I do not want to come back here tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock and try to finish this. And they're like, no, let's just do it. Dudes roll up behind us from the group behind us. They start bitching at us. What are you guys doing? What are you, you can't see. We can't finish. Dave's like, yeah, not my problem, pal. Like, if you don't want to finish, no finish. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, getting, we're getting out of here. Like, I don't want to come back tomorrow morning and do this. But, uh, dude, Taylor did great. Like, I would 100% like take him again. Even though uh, I told him that someone was lobbying for his job and he said, is his name Russell? I said, no, it's Matt James. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a couple questions. Between, because you played six, two, and eight, throwing Tobacco Road in the case, which was your favorite course? Two. Why? Dude. It, <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't he expect, struggled. I, he yeah. struggled with a follow-up question, so he just, I, why? <laughs> well, I didn't expect him to say two. That's why it threw me off. Two's got history, dude. Okay. So I'll say this. Before I ever went to Pinehurst, I never thought I wanted to go to Pinehurst. You know, then once I got there, I'm like, dude, you're an idiot for never wanting to come here. Right. There's so much history to that place. The clubhouse is like a museum when you walk down the hallways. They got all these, like, you know, cases and windows and stuff with shit in them. They have actually, I got a picture of Polo. Uh, what if I would have thrown the cradle in there with that? Have- dude, that was a good time. <laughs> I was drunk for that, but whew, that was a good time. Uh, it's it, There's just so much damn history there. Here's a picture of, uh, this was outside of the pro shop next to the bar. It is their replica trophies of all of, like, the championships they've had there. There's, like, USAM, PGA Championship, all those things are on there from over the years. And cooking the background posing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, Tita Green, like, I wish I would have gotten a chance to play two once before. Playing it blind, playing the last two rounds blind was tough i imagine like tea to green it's probably okay it's probably the greens that are yeah anybody tells you mark twain's got donald ross greens tell him to shut shut up and keep moving (laughs) because i'm telling you right now like i explained to ross i'm like you're standing in the fairway like sight lines are unbelievable like you look out it's a lot of waste areas they got that pine grass whatever they call it it grows like a foot and a half tall you got bunkers that just look raggedy which gives some character and then you get out there and uh you look like you're trying to land on top of a soup bowl right upside down and it's not like Donald Ross greens we've played around here where it's like well the front slopes off the left side slopes off it's like no the front slopes off the left slopes off the back side slopes off the right side and it doesn't just run off and stop because there's grass there no no it's all shaved so now everything's like it, it was a different golf too because now you're we do a lot of chipping around here right I was better off hitting like right. 30 yard putts <laughs> because it was just that much easier than trying to chip. But I think too, it was, it was just, it was fun. It is a great track. I mean, anybody that tells you that it's overrated because I've heard that before. It's not the right. best one. Yeah. There. That's what everyone says. Or- yeah. I'm going to call bullshit. Yeah. And we only played. You didn't play four. Four is the one that everybody says like. Yeah. We did four. It, but- yeah. We did four, which is, they say is complimentary to two. Two's just got so much history. I mean, I can't explain it to Ross. I'm like, it's one of those trips you got to make. Was and you can't give a shit what you're spending. Right. You just can't. You just got to. But you got to do it. Was it was Keimer the one that won there? Last? Yes, Keimer, right? Yep. I think I hit it into Keimer's divot off the tee on five, <laughs> but I didn't hit seven iron in the middle of the green. <laughs> I had a really bad lie. <laughs> what was the most difficult of the four? Um. 
overall, two. Two's legit. Two is two is fucking legit, dude. And I don't think two is even like playing as fast as they could have been around the greens just because of the I time imagine of year. like a couple months later and it's probably Yeah. I wouldn't even worse. I could see over par one in the open there. If Cookie hit a shot in the fifth hole. I thought he hit a good shot. Hey, dude, because I got paired with him the second round. Right. Dude, good shot. Thanks, man. We get up there, guy's like, know where your ball's at? He's got his putter's hand, like, walk up the green. He's like, <laughs> it's over there by four fairway. <laughs> that thing rolled off the green, and it probably rolled 40 yards off the green. <laughs> and then he hit the first chip, and it just, you know, just a bit short, come back at his feet, and I seen him just throw the wedge, picked up the putter, and he literally, I mean, it was straight up the hill. He just, like, smacked it as hard as he could with his putter. <laughs> I mean, because it was just it was because uh, the grass was so thin, like trying to hit a wedge, and it was crazy. But two is legit. You think I could break one ten? No. <laughs> that was that was a legit no. number. I was wrong. Out no. There. no. So the kid that won. <laughs> one more time. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, the kid that won. I'll, I'll back up. Two was probably my opinion the hardest. Um. I also thought it played the shortest. It was still like 7,000 yards. Did you get a lot of rollout at the time no. or no? Oh. No. <laughs> uh, six, absolutely not. And that was probably the longest, in my opinion. I mean, I hit a lot of... Were they all playing playing yardage-wise roughly the same? Yep. Everything was around 7,000. I think I think they had number two is like 6,900. But Cookie was looking at the card, like the actual scorecard. I have one upstairs. I can show you guys. Uh, actual scorecard. We only played like three holes that weren't U.S. Open tees. Okay. There was like three holes where there was like a huge difference. And we didn't play them. The one was like the fifth hole. I want to see the other one. It's like five, two, five, and maybe it's a hole in the back nine. Well, then now we played the U.S. Open tees. But yeah, six was long and it was wet. It was wider over to six. Like, we had conversations the day before with officials, like, are we playing the ball up over there in the fairway? And they were like, no, no, we, we painted things off. And I'm like, dude, I didn't see shit painted off. I was over there today. You know, mud balls all over the place. All right. I got two holes in and got, I hit in the middle of the fairway on 11. And I looked down at my ball and it was like, half of it was mud. And I looked at Taylor and I'm like, just give me the eight iron. I don't know where this is going. Like, I have no idea where this thing's going. Like, half of my balls, like, just, there's a, a tumor of mud. And I hit this thing and it almost like whistled, like just going all over the place. I'm like, well, I kind of expected that. So <laughs> just go get up and down. Six was really long. Six was long courses too. Like there's a lot of dog legs. And I want to say it's the 12th hole. It's one of the hardest holes on the course. You got to keep it towards the left side because if you flare it a little bit right, the farther right it goes, the longer your second shot is. So that hole's not good for me. No. <laughs> uh, about that one more time too. <laughs> like I know in the practice round, I hit driver four iron to get home. So then I knew I'm like I got to hug this left side. Everything kind of slopes one way. I hit driver down the middle, it sloped off. I had a nine iron yardage, and Taylor's like, "Oh, dude, it's a hard nine iron." I'm like, "No, it's a it's a full eight iron today, pal." And he's like, "Why?" I'm like, "Because this thing will come back at my feet." And the kid I'm playing with hit it up on the green. Thought he hit it on the green. Got it left like. Two yards short, thing rolled 60 yards back down the hill. That's crazy. I'm like, I'll take 30 feet long, 20 six, feet long. Six have a lot of elevation then? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, they had a par three there. Everything else looks, I'll say, relatively flat, but there's... Yeah, she still got some hills. 
Right. Two's pretty hilly at times. Eight was pretty hilly. Uh, dude, six had a par three. And, I, and it was, I think it was the seventh hole. I think it was the seventh hole. From the back tees we played it, it was 195 to cover the bunker. It was 225 to flag. Greens are a little bigger down there. No, thanks. Oh, I forgot to mention, there's a pond that runs the entire length of the hole on the right side. <laughs> <laughs> and I watched three guys just bury four irons and driving irons in the front bunker. That reminds me, uh, I don't know, well, well, at Nags Head. The one, it, there's a part three, it's like 210 on the right, it's just a sound. And it's, there's a pond left, yeah. short. Now you got like, between the pond and the green, there's like 30 yards, but the sound's all along the right, the wind's just coming off it, and it's like, Good luck. Now, Tobacco Road, you got to play it once. You might not like it. You might love it. You might hate it. But you got to play it. But you got to play it once. <laughs> you got to play it once. Greens are really undulated. Uh, the sight lines are unreal. I don't think I've ever been in holes that deep that you played golf out of. Uh, I got home and found – I did some research – so the golf course was an old sand pit used to make gravel. And when they got done using it for that purpose, they built the golf course. So that's why there's like giant craters of just. Right. <laughs> and there's no, they don't call them bunkers. Everything's a waste area. Everything's like a preferred lie. And you you just drive. There was a par three, like 17. There was like lumps of grass down the hill. It was downhill. But everything else was just sand. You literally just drove through the sand as a cart path. There was yeah. no like. Yeah, there was no like bunkers, or whatever. He just, but yeah, you got to do it once. Any raccoon squirrels? I saw two <laughs> or number two. Saw a couple of them. They call. That's what I want to ask you did guys. You, did you feed them liquors? No, I got to ask you guys this question. <laughs> did I already ask you? Yeah, we talked about this. They call them fox squirrels. Fox squirrels? Yeah. I have a I hat that says fox squirrel. <laughs> I do. Forgot I do until I just now. But. Fighting fox squirrels. Unless I can't remember if it was a starter or somebody in the Myrtle Beach area told me they were raccoon squirrels. I've Googled them too. So raccoon squirrels yeah. are a thing. So it might be just a like slightly different species that's more in line. Yeah. And it's like fox squirrels. In line. Hey, we have fucking alligator squirrels next. Uh, I hope not. <laughs> I sure as hell hope not. The day we played number eight, it was cold. And I said to Dale, I'm like, kind of glad it's cold here, like cooler. Cause Snakes. I've heard stories. And then, sure as shit, like, as you're out there walking around, and see a snake. But they have, like, protected habitats out there on yeah. the course. It's like those signs at River Valley. No, no, no. They, <laughs> yeah. 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 So, like, you knew, like, they say, oh, in this area, this species lives. And they have, like, pictures of, it was, like, a nature walk type thing, too. And I'm like, yeah, I don't see any rattlesnakes today. <laughs> I even played one out of a hazard. I'm like, thank God it's a little cold today. <laughs> Get down in here. <laughs> they biting into my ankles. I'll pass. Anyway, oh. kid that won. Uh, he's like 28 years old now. He was an All-American at Clemson. He How old was he when he played? At Clemson? <laughs> you said he's 28 now. Yeah, so I'm insinuating he's not in Clemson All right. anymore. All right. uh, he was All-American at Clemson. He played in the British Am a couple years ago. And then he made it to the... He made he made the U.S. Met Am a couple years ago. He played real well day one, and then I obviously still well compared to everybody else's scores. But he still 
79. I'll take 79 number two. I mean, I don't right. know if he's played it before. So the kid that finished second is a 13-year-old. <laughs> I mean, he was a pretty big kid for 13, but I, I think he also has played Pinehurst quite a bit from what I gather. Right. Because he lives in, like, Georgia. Like, all the winners are from, like, Georgia. Right. Literally, like, from Georgia. Or that's where they're from. How was Mario's kid? Mario Lemieux's kid. Yeah, did I, t- I told you guys he was there, right? I, know, I don't think I ever saw him. I never saw Mario in the flow, but <laughs> I don't know if he was there. But, yeah, his kid was there. Apparently his kid's trying to turn pro. Yeah, so, yeah Russ and I were texting about it. <clears throat> yeah, because he was playing hockey at Arizona State and just quit to pursue a golf career. Yeah. So. Yeah, I didn't know he was there until after the first day. <clears throat> yeah. I can't remember who told me he was there. I think Hurley told me he was there. Yeah. Dude, some good players. The guy I played with from Texas. Like, I joked the second day, like, the second day but I'm like, dude, I don't want to creep you out, but I Googled you last night. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, had, he had a bag from Texas Tech. And I asked him, like, did you play at Texas Tech? He's like, yeah, I graduated in 02. Then the other guy I played was the one I told you. He was Lanto Griffin's oh, college yeah. roommate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they played at VCU together, and he was like, dude, he wasn't that good in college. <laughs> And he and now now that kid's pissed. <laughs> no, he well that kid caddied for one of his other friends who made it on tour for like two years. He's like, yeah, I caddied. His name was like Ted Brown or something like that. He's like, he made it for like two years. He's like, it was best two years of my life. Had a blast. I was single, having kids. Hmm. Anyway, the guy from Texas uh, played at Tech, graduated in 02. He won the West Texas Amateur like four years ago, and he made it to the semis of the U.S. Mid Am like four years ago. That's how close he was to the Masters. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. He was a cool dude, dude. Little guy. He he hit it pretty good for a little dude. He can move it out there, but dude, he had a blast in number two together. Like he kinda like loosened up a little bit. Uh dude, he was he was funny as hell. Dude, they come by at one point because they were all worried about the daylight thing the day before. And then the clocks change, right? Around like the fourteenth hole. And some guy comes by, he's like, Hey, uh, anything you guys can do, you know, to just keep up with the group in front of you, and I'm like Okay, group in front of us just got to the green. Group behind us isn't even on the tee. And but like, that's what they're doing. They were just going around. Keep it moving. Yeah. Anything you can do. So we get on like 16, we're all in the fairway, and like Dave and I are right next to each other. And he's like, Can we get home here? I'm like, I don't know, Taylor, what do you got for a number? And I can't remember what the number was. Dave's like, Well, we should probably hit into him, you know, anything we can do to keep <laughs> it going. And then when we get up there, be like, he told us anything we can do. And then we're on 17 T. Like Dave, you want to go tell those guys, you know, keep moving. He's like, "Yeah, I'll go over there. Don't shoot the messenger, but anything you guys can do just to pick it up." I couldn't. They were doing that, driving around, like telling people, "Like no one's behind." Right. Everyone was. Everyone was flowing, but got to make the trip. Right, and you got to expect to play a touch slower there. Right. It's you're a lot of guys probably haven't played there, or if so, obviously you're not playing there all the time. Right. Tough course, long. Compared to what most people are, you can hit it really playing. good. It's still going to take you four and a half hours just to get to your damn golf ball. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys put in seven miles, I'd be putting about ten. <laughs> but the place is unreal. How so? You're moving like how close are you to there? About two hours. Make the trip. Maybe. Yeah, maybe two hours. So Tobacco Road is an uh, how far. How's it far from like Raleigh area? Hour exactly an hour. Hour which way? South. Oh, then I'm probably like an hour away. I'm two hours southeast of Raleigh. You're two hours southeast, so you're probably, okay. 
So you're, it would be an hour, hour and a half or west. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Raleigh was an hour because we, we dropped Hurley off at the airport. Um, yeah, you got to make the trip. Tobacco Road's like twenty minute, twenty miles, twenty minutes north, right on the right on the road. But even if you can't play, like if you don't want to play one of the Pinehurst courses, just go over and see it. That's I was. There's other courses over that you can play, like in the Pinehurst area, but just stop in there. You don't have to. That's what's incredible about it. You do not have to be like. Hey, it's not like showing up Indian Hills and be like, I got tea time today, right? Right. If you show up Indian Hills and like sat in the putting green for three hours, you'd be like, who is this guy? Right. Is he playing today or is he just here? <laughs> that doesn't happen there. They got, a, they got a putting green. It's like the size of an acre. And you can, well, you can walk over to the range and just start hitting balls. And a guy will come by when your bucket gets low, he'll fill it back up. You don't buy range balls. <laughs> you could go, you could go down there and spend a week practicing and no one will say a damn thing to you. They don't care. There's that many people around. They're just, it's like, it literally is like the golf mecca. It was unreal. And, yes, the par 3 course was so much fun. Was it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It looked like, I think, Hurley. I think Hurley bought a couple of videos. He got one of me when I was hammered. That my, oh. Right after I chipped in. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> what it was. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> but that's only, like, that's what we were saying. Like, we rented that house. The house wasn't that expensive for, you know, you split it. Right. Like, do we need to get a bunch of guys down there and just go do it? Just You just got to do it. Like, who cares if you spend three fifty or whatever it is and play number two? Like you just gotta right. do it. Yeah, you just have to do it. And yeah, get a bunch of guys to go down, make the trip, spend the night, like one of the days in the evening, go over and play the part three course. Takes you less than an hour to play. Do the uh, they call it thistle do. It's like a little putting course on the putting green. People just got hammered and just like did that repeatedly. <laughs> That's what people did. It's <laughs> some like random dude who's like, "Hey, can I join you guys?" We're like, "Yeah, sure. Let me go get a drink." Like disappears, comes back three minutes later, and like. <laughs> that's what people do it was unbelievable i i told i came home and sent Ellie a house i'm like let's back our shit <laughs> let's get out of here i don't want to be here i can't wait to go back like i would leave tomorrow and go back just to practice <laughs> <laughs> just to practice i'll be back in a month <sighs> yeah so make the trip it's like yeah if it's whatever it is even it's a couple hours just especially if you can be down there alone I, I will be for a couple months dude just seriously like if I were you, I'd get up on like on a Saturday and just drive over there and spend the day practicing. We're about to find out how far it is. Yeah. I don't need the weather app. So type in Pinehurst number two. That's the main facility. They'll take you to the parking lot. It's just, dude, I can't. I tried taking pictures. You can't put it in perspective. Like you walk up the sidewalk towards your clubhouse. You come around the clubhouse. And you're like, holy shit. Like there's places this big. Like par three course, putting green. It's all like interconnected there. Chipping areas, range. The range has a building on it's bigger than most clubhouses in this area. And it's just to sell clubs and do club repair. That's uh, all that's in there and some bathrooms. Know, we went to Myrtle last year. Russell's like, wait till you see this putting green. We walked out. First of all, we pull up to like a castle, clubhouses, and then go out back in the hole. Creaking over here. Barking spiders. Gets us. <laughs> we go out behind the clubhouse and the... The putting green must be 300 yards by, like, 50 yards. Is that the one you told me they call it, like, the runway or? No, that was it. No, that's the one uh, Nate, Nate told us about. Penn State, right? Well, Penn or, State's got the, or the or runway or whatever, something like that. But somebody else was telling me, I thought it was you guys that had, like, a big one that had a name for it. Yeah, this one doesn't have a name, but it's, it's just huge. It sounds like it's probably, like, the size of one of Pinehurst. Yeah. Dude, it's ridiculous. Two hours. I mean. 
Dude, seriously. Get up in the morning, grab coffee, and just drive over there. Drive. I'm not shitting you, dude. I'd be over there like every other weekend if I lived where you were living. Probably got to find a house first. Buy a house in Southern Pines. <laughs> and then just take a two-hour trip to work since you're working remotely. <laughs> Screw them. <laughs> yeah, it's, we got to make the trip, though, some to, at some point. Um, we'll figure it out. But, yeah, it's, we've already talked about, like, so the house we stayed in, she owned the one next door, too. And I had Hurley went over and just asked the people standing, like, hey, how many bedrooms you got? And, like, <laughs> two. So it was, like, between two houses, there was five bedrooms. There was room, like, Taylor crashed on a couch for three days. And then he charged him the whole price that they paid for the house. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I hooked that boy up. He didn't pay for shit when he was there. He had a bib and everything. Well, yeah, was, I had to pay for the bib. Well, yeah, but, but, but yeah, he had the bib. Get the bib. Dude, I bought him some stuff. He got exercise? Yeah, dude, that's a big one. Cardio. <laughs> dude, the one morning. <laughs> typical T. Willis. You're going to love hearing this story, T. Willis. We get up in the morning. He's walking around without a shirt on in the house. He goes out back on the deck, Hurley smoking a cigarette. He pulls out his tin. He goes, geez, I'm so glad I'm not addicted to those damn cigarettes. He <laughs> a big lipper in. <laughs> Wait, wasn't this summer when... He spent the night on Hurley's couch, and Hurley's like, I don't know who he is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Forgot about that. <laughs> I had to go pick him up the next day. That was during basketball. It's a good thing. It's the weekend he lost his hair. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, find her strip, put on the calendar at some point. We'll figure it out, but we got to do that. I, I'd be so willing to pay for, to like to play number two again. I'd like to play four. And I don't know what other ones. They got a deal. You could just play all of them. They have packages there for ten grand. You can, you can play them all. They have packages there. It's like uh, it'd be weird because I wouldn't want to stay there, right? But you can do like two night stay, three courses for like eleven hundred, which isn't terrible, I guess. But yeah, you can do that and then make the three hour drive to Myrtle Beach play down there for the rest of the week yeah now there's a couple houses you can stay out in the wilmington myrtle area <laughs> well we got to hook up piners now too i'll tell you guys about that later oh. we paid 175 for a practice round at number six and the guy was like dude i gotta get you on for 65 bucks <laughs> why did you tell me before <laughs> gee thanks <laughs> what we didn't realize though is what we paid for practice rounds like those are the practice rounds they offered and then it was a shotgun start it was for the tournament so it wasn't like you just you were just making a tea time. They shotgun started you. Oh. So you played a practice round with like everybody in the tournament. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did did a lot of I think Jason said he hired a caddy one day. He hired a caddy on there too. He said it helped him a lot. Just because the guy was like reading greens and stuff for him. Right. But I You were cookie didn't at all. Cookie didn't. No, I Well you are you already had a caddy. I had Taylor. You didn't pay him, right? He worked for free. Oh no. <laughs> I didn't pay him, but he made he made you pay. <laughs> he did not buy any food. He didn't buy and he didn't buy any beer. He bought him some stuff from the pro shop. The he, hell of a deal. He made out pretty good. It's a good deal. T. Will, you better be thinking him. At one point, he you looked at me. Send him flowers. He looked at me. He's like, "You're not gonna let me pay for shit this weekend." Like, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> he paid, made sure he was taken care of. In that case, you could have had three caddies, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth it. I'm glad he got to experience it too, because I know it's one of those things. Like you, you wish you could have been swinging the clubs, right? Right. 
But he was like, just being here and like and seeing it was crazy. Like when he called me, first of all, I was telling Ross, again, T. Willis, thank you. I knew he was already going to be in Florida. And he was like, yeah, let's make the trip up. I didn't, it was eight hours. Right. It was still an eight hour drive back to Pinehurst. And he made the trip. I'm like, dude, that's cr-. I didn't realize it was that far. But but yeah, he like left early in the morning. I'm like, bring your clubs. Like you literally can just practice here. Like if you're just hanging out, like nobody cares. He was lurking on some LPGA chick. Her sister was playing in the women's. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have the balls to go talk to her when we saw her. That part surprises me. Right? Oh, that he didn't go talk to her. Yeah. I thought he meant that he was lurking. I saw her on the putting green one day, and I think in the chipping area the one day, and he was like, I can't. I don't like to. Come on. Just have you met Taylor? <laughs> but he'll swipe right on somebody. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what he was in yeah. He's probably going to be lurking around Augusta this weekend at the women's, <laughs> the women's amateur. He's coming home. Maybe he's, maybe he's stopping. He might at be Augusta, stopping the at Augusta. Amateur first. <laughs> show up with one. He's actually just going to pull in the town of Augusta and open up tender. See who he can catch. <laughs> like, uh, nothing here, boys. Let's keep it moving. My God, <laughs> I'm going to miss having him around all summer. It's fun. Oh man. Yeah, dude. I wish. Yeah, the one guy I played with, he had like a bunch of friends down there. Just like, oh, dude, you're going to Pinehurst? I'm going to hang out. And that's exactly what they did. Like, you had five or six friends that show up, and like one of them caddy the one day, and then they just hung out on, had a just party all week. But so weird there, too. Like, town, very uncommercialized. Like, you can look, try to look up some pictures, but the hotels don't look like hotels. Right. It's like giant ass houses, like bigger than that, but everything's like kind of like the old school rustic, just everything's white. Like, even the bank downtown was just like a white building on the street. And like a little sign out front. <coughs> Went to an Irish pub the one night. <coughs> listened to some guy do karaoke. Tried to get Rupert to come. Rupert did not show up. I saw I, him at Tobacco Road. I talked, he, I talked to him yesterday. Yeah. Apparently he blamed it on Burdette. Burdette blamed it on him. <laughs> <laughs> now you're both are old fuckers. You just didn't want to show up. You play 18 holes and you call it a day. Got to make the trip. Yeah, I got to play Tobacco Road. That was... Play it with, if you can with someone who's played there before. Because <laughs> once we got to the back nine, like, there were some moments I was like, oh, shit, it goes that way? <laughs> we're on this par five, and, like, Hurley blocked his tee shot. Cookie and I hit it down the middle. We get up there. Hurley's in better shape than all of us. He's, like, on the second fairway up on top of the hill. Cookie's like, where's this go? Where's the green? I'm like, over there. I, th- I don't I'm looking. At, I had a yardage book. I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I'll just lay up. He hits three wood. He's like on the next hole. He's like, <laughs> he gets over top of the knoll. He goes, dude, Kyle, hole goes that way. And he's like, point. <laughs> so like, I remember like laying up and then I don't know where the flag is. And I'm like trying to look. Cause there's like, this is giant, like bunker in front of the green. You cannot see any of the green. And I look over and like, Hurley's on a 40 foot mound, Billy goat looking for his ball. <laughs> Like, what is going on? So I just hit it what I thought was the green. We get up there. Hurley's like, dude, that almost went in. I'm like, I didn't know where your flag was. What do you mean it almost went in? He goes, oh, rolled by the hole and it came back. It was just a, like, there was a, there were some holes out there. It was like a complete shit show because we had no idea where we were going. But you got to do it once. Once. <laughs> At least once. <laughs> there was a, Jim, Jimmy Fee was there. He was in the park lot. We were getting our stuff. I said, you guys ever played here? We're like, no. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. You guys are in for it today. <laughs> so, well, enough about my shenanigans, boys. What else you got? 
trying to get Russ to go to Arizona in February on an airplane. Yeah, that, ain't, that probably ain't happening. I don't know. Waste management tickets, golf in Arizona. We'll see. Oh, yeah. see, we're closer. It's also vacation time issue. Yeah. All the shit we have that we do throughout the summer. It's true. I forgot about that. Yep. Um, Savers are about to get their first win in 19 games. Yeah. Is it over yet? It's up no. Five to one, though. There's only oh. f- if yeah. they blow a 5 1 lead in five minutes, there's, there's other issues. If we're at the casino, I've been throwing at least a couple dollars on Philadelphia right now. Uh, I don't even know if we want to get into this. Feels like there's a lot going on in the UFC, kind of, sort of. We do need to get into this, I think. Uh, so the heavyweight, uh, there were other fights, but big headline from this past weekend. So Francis Ngannou beat Stipe Miocic to re- to win, not retain, win the uh, heavyweight championship. Uh, Stipe in that category now where many people consider him the greatest heavyweight UFC's ever seen. Um, I think that's a little, little bit debatable, but... He's yeah. definitely in that conversation. Right. So when Ganu's on top of that mountain now with his deadly power, maybe the most raw power we've ever seen in yeah. the UFC. 100%. Um, he, looked, he looked way more patient, way more calculated. He looked like a much better fighter this time. This was the second time he's fought Stipe. I think when he first stopped, fought Stipe, I don't even know when that was, but he, he was still a raw home run hitter back then, yep. less, less of a fighter. Uh, that so, punch he knocked around with, I said it while we were watching, was, like, you said it perfectly, he was patient. Because he threw the right, knew and Stipe would cover, and then look back up. Yeah. And he just held off on it and then threw a straight left into him and just... Yeah, and lights out. Yeah. Yep. Um. So, I think most fans, the general assumption, right, is that John Jones is now going to step in to the heavyweight... Division looks like weight wise he's ready. Yes, he he's is a huge. monster. So the assumption is he's going to step right in and, in theory, get the title shot against Francis Ngannou right away. Um, I don't think it's any secret we're big time John Jones fans here. Uh, he's he's got some good points, but he's starting to get into that category of guys that I wish would just shut up on Twitter. Correct. Uh, so Dana White had some comments after the Aganu Miocic fight. Uh, somebody asked him about John Jones, and I think I think the, I didn't watch the press conference, but I saw the thirty second clip, and the vibe that I got was that Dana was not taking a shot at John Jones. He was praising Nganu, giving him his moment. He said something about, well, John Jones might want to go back down to light heavyweight or 185 or something. Yeah. I I took that more as this is Nganu's night. I'm going to give him the comment that why would anyone want to face him right now? Right. And John Jones took it as an, an insult. insult that he didn't belong in heavyweight or something like that. And I, I maybe that's just my interpretation, but John Jones kind of ran with that on Twitter and I, I said to Ron yesterday, I said, I, I wish I could just pull John and be like, John, just, yeah. just shut up. Yeah. Like, to me, John or any fighter, 
let's not take your negotiations to social media. Yes, 100%. Um, to me, that's not good if you're trying to get your way. Getting, we, getting people to jump in and be like, yeah, you're right. Like, that doesn't help your negotiations. Yeah. Trust me, Dana White is not getting on Twitter and going through the comments to see what Joe Schmo thinks about his <laughs> right. negotiations. Right. That's not happening. And my thing, too, is John immediately started tweeting, like, dude, it's Saturday night. Can we let Monday happen? Yeah. They do matchmaking on Tuesdays. So John Jones even said in one of these tweets that he was supposed to receive an offer this week. So... If you haven't received your, if you haven't even received your formal offer for the fight yet, then why are you why are you going off? Right. If you receive the offer and you think it's insulting, and then you want to comment on that afterwards, okay, I can at least understand that. But wh- why are you insulting the money figures that are being thrown at you when you haven't seen them? They're yet? figurative at this point, right? I, I I don't get that. So apparently, t- he did tweet today. I saw it. And he said that he again took it to Twitter, talked to the UFC lawyers. I told him eight to ten million is not enough, and then Derek Lewis is like, "I'll do it for eight million. And of course, someone tweeted John and said, "Derek Lewis, they'd do it for eight million. And John said, "Of course you would." He also doesn't have fifteen title defenses, which is a valid point. Uh, yes, it is. I just, but what's what? I don't understand. Like putting it out there, what's it, what benefit that is? Like that, you don't need to do that. Like you look more. You're, I think you're, you'd be easier to work with. If you're not putting that shit on social media. Yeah. And those Absolutely. contracts, right, don't include pay-per-view money. Some of them do. Some it's, do. It, it shares. depends on the contract. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he could have it written in there that, yeah, you're getting a flat fee of $10 million plus whatever, whatever, 1% of all pay-per-view income right. or something. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, obviously, they're talking numbers that we don't understand, but I, even with all – John Jones, in my opinion, the, the the greatest fighter ever. I still don't quite see how eight to ten million is insulting for a fight. I don't either. So I was trying to think, like, but he, he's claiming that it's that's because for one fight, right? Yeah, he's he said yeah, for, he was grossly underpaid throughout his twenties. And you say right? You say that's for twenty five minutes of fighting, right? I, obviously, you got to go through camp and everything else, right? Yeah, but it's twenty five minutes of fighting. And we see all these other guys, NBA in particular, that, you know, they're making. I mean, when these guys get these huge contracts, they're like, oh, they're going to make, you know, half a million dollars every half of basketball game or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Like, that amount of money for 25 minutes. I Right, you're putting your body through a lot and everything else, but it seems like a lot of money. I've said, I don't yeah. know everybody else's contracts, but that's, that's a lot of money for – 25 minutes of yeah. fighting. So uh, l- let's say this fight would happen in July, like fight week. It'd be a hell of a card right now. Yeah. So let's say he got $10 million plus, I don't know what percentage they give, but let's say 1%, half a percent of pay-per-view sales, which is a, a huge number. And then... Which would be a lot of pay-per-views because Connor's on that card now. Right. Or that's the pretty... Yeah. So Pretty let, solid rumor. So let's say Jones took that and then wins and then defends the heavyweight title in December. There's always that huge card the last week of December. Yep. And you have a similar deal. So another $10 million, And let's say each one of those fights he's getting $5 million worth of Right. So of this year he could bring sales. in $30 So you could pull in. Not yeah, including sponsorships. Th- probably 30 to $40 million in one calendar year. I, I'd, fight twice. I don't know what figures he's looking for, but – 
it's hard to call that insulting. Right, I agree. It might not be what you want, but it's not insulting. Either. Right. And I would he put it out there that uh do you guys think this is as big as Tyson Fury? And I guess there's two ways you can look at this. My opinion is Tyson Fury is not worth the money they're getting paid. In my opinion, like boxing is just yeah, like a I, weird like that, that's a to me that's a tough question to answer without being without being very biased. Right. We're UFC fans, we're not boxing fans. Right. So we're always going to lean on the UFC side of that. Mm-hmm. If you happen to be an enormous boxing fan and don't like UFC, you're going to lean on that side. Of it. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not sure too many people can answer that without bias. But, and yeah, can he argue he was underpaid through his twenties? I guess so. You can also argue that the UFC was not as financially stable as it is now. Right. How, how 15 years ago. He's 31. 30, nah, I, I think he's, Couple year younger, than couple us. years younger than me. Yeah. I think he's like thirty three ish, thirty two, thirty three, somewhere in somewhere that. in that range. Yeah, but either way, you're talking ten years ago because right. he won the, he was the youngest champ ever at what twenty two, somewhere in there. So he's referring to years, age years twenty two to twenty five. Right, so. UFC probably wasn't big money till what maybe like three, four years ago, five years ago. Uh, that's hard to exactly put it. To me, you can probably follow Conor McGregor's trajectory and match that with the UFC's. As far as payouts, yeah. yeah. I, I If you feel like you were underpaid in a couple fights 10 years ago, I, I don't know. I, Can't this, try to you, recoup it now. To me, that's now. not a negotiation tactic now. Right. I mean, he, I mean he, he makes some valid points. Like he said to somebody, he goes, I literally met a fighter the other day, couldn't remember how old he was. Like it's just it's brutal. Like your your next fight could be your last fight, and I understand that. Yeah, and we don't. I mean, who knows? But and I get it, he's just trying to make money now. But just don't put it on social media. Just that's yeah. that should not yeah. be your negotiating yes. tactic. Yeah, if you he know? has all these concerns and he talks about him closed door with Dana White and Lorenzo Fertitta, and those probably goes guys, over better. Then so be it. It probably goes over way better. It probably is easier conversation. You don't, you know, but it's the same time. Like the one that got the thing that got me, I think I tweeted the other day and said, if you think John Jones, because literally I'm going to call him casuals, said that John Jones is afraid to fight Nagano. Like if you think he's afraid of him, I got a bridge I want to sell you. Yeah. That, and you probably think Jake Paul's a real fighter. That, that theory, quote, that theory is one of the dumbest out there. And even Cormier came out today and said, yes, everything between John and I put that aside. He said, if you think John's afraid of him, he's not. Right. He said, and he goes, it's not like, he's like, Steve Pace fought him twice. He beat him once. You know, Derek Lewis fought him. He goes, and if there's anybody that's going to put a puzzle together and beat Nagano right now, it's John. Yeah. It's going to be John. Yep. So, I don't know, dude. I just, saying, I'm with you with the whole, like, taking to social media and stuff. I mean, Connor's doing it this week. Like, we- I want to be like, dude, shut up. I was going to say, we went through this with Connor when he went on, when he went on his hiatus and ended up fighting Floyd Mayweather. All, all this Twitter crap led up to that. Yeah, it's and he just, was doing it again this week, and like him and Nate Diaz are getting into it, and I'm like, yeah. dude, you can't talk about them making a belt after you when you've lost two of your last three, and your only win is, no disrespect, but to Cowboy Cerrone. Yeah. Like, you've lost, you lost to Khabib, you lost to Poirier. Mm-hmm. Now you think the UFC should make a belt after you? Like what? You got pretty dominated by those two. It wasn't like they were Yeah. Yeah. Close. Yeah. And I still don't think he makes adjustments and beats Poirier. 
They no, still think no, that. No, no, no. no. Uh, but apparently that fight's happening again in July. Yep. He turned Poirier turned down a title fight because he'll make more money fighting Conor McGregor. Yep. Which I don't know. And even again, Michael we're, again, we're having money talk, but I, I don't agree with that. To me, the right that yes, you're trying to make a living, but the number one reason you're in this is to win a championship, right? Um, and uh, you're it's not like you're not going to get paid in a right. championship fight. And then the other one that killed me was Michael Chandler, who's going to be fighting for the belt. He's going to fight Charles Oliveira, yep. right? Yep. And not against Chandler, but I'm like, dude, that doesn't make sense at all. He said, "Well, if I win the belt, then I'll turn around and defend it against Connor." Why would you fight Connor? He's not, in my opinion, Connor doesn't deserve a title shot. Right. If Connor, yeah, if Connor's fighting Poirier, first of all, you got to have that fight happen to figure right. out which one of them is right deserving. And even if Connor wins, still doesn't deserve a title shot, in my opinion. Yeah. Now no. you've won. You've, yeah. Yeah. If Connor beats Poirier, then to me, you got to give Gaethje another shot at it. Yes. So. Yeah. Apparently, Gaethje hasn't had a conversation with anybody. So. Yeah. And Nate Diaz is coming back in May. Yes. Fighting the first ever five round co main event non is not for a title. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. He wants to fight five rounds. Oh, yeah. I forget who he's fighting. I can't remember, but yeah. I would have said that already. <laughs> it was some someone random that I Yeah, it was, it was a weird matchup. Does he just want to go fight because he thinks he can outlast him or he'd just rather fight five rounds if he's gonna have to come fight. Doesn't yeah. want to fight three. It's just, you get more uh, money for fighting five versus three, so it's nah, <laughs> not usually. I yeah, I, I don't. I don't think so. But I think his mentality is: if I'm going to show no. up a fight, I'd rather fight for five rounds and three. You probably do, but that's because it's usually for a belt, not right. Right, because yeah, it's yeah. five rounds. And let's be honest: like Diaz's fights are kind of entertaining. <laughs> so I think I want to say his last fight. I don't know. You'd have to look that up. But yeah. so the one that was just announced is with Leon Edwards. Okay, yes, he's going to fight Leon Edwards. What was his last fight? I want to say it was like three rounds. It was like it was one of those fights where you're like that wanted yes, to go five. Wasn't it Masvidal? Yeah, it wasn't Masvidal. Masvidal. Yeah, which was Doctor the, the, the bad motherfucker Bella. Yeah, Ella was called. Masvidal's fighting Usman again. Yeah, I don't know when yeah. that is. There's some good fights coming up. Yes, there are some really good fights this summer coming up. So I'm looking forward to that. All right, anything else, gentlemen? We'll have to talk about free agency in our day. Dude. A lot. Everything's going on. Dude. Unless, I unless, still, unless these people want to hear us talk for another When are you coming back? I'll be back here next week. No, I'm talking about, like, up here. Like oh, I have move. no idea. Because I'm still going to do a live stream, I think, for the draft. When's that? The 29th of the first night. Oh, April. Okay. Oh, I do, I do virtually. I'm gonna, I'll have every, I'll have it set up in the hotel room. Yeah, I'm going to do the 29th of April live if you want to come over and do that again. I think the draft's going to be fun to do this year just because. There you go. Yeah, there's already been a ton I of movement so. already. Well, I th- we, because of that, because I think we followed football, college football more this year and just everything going on with yeah. the NFL with quarterbacks and all that shit. Right. So. I don't disagree, but we also said the same thing last year, and that kind of sucked. We kind of won it, <laughs> winging it last year, but anyway. Baseball starts tomorrow. Yeah. Or Dude, I'm today, so as you guys are probably listening to this. Crazy. But I'm excited for baseball. Mainly because fucking Sabres suck. I'm just hoping we get snow tonight so I can at least play golf sometime this weekend. It's definitely snowing. Well, 40% chance, according to Apple. They keep lowering the inches. 
my parents had to bring my snow shovel back over because I had already given it to them because I didn't want it. <laughs> so my mom brought it back over. I told them I had a push broom. I could just use it. Now we're up to 100% jams between 3 and 4 a.m. I think it's only like 1 to 3 inches now. Yeah. Originally it was like 5 to 10 and then. So if you only got 1 to 3, I wouldn't even bother shoveling. Right. Probably gone by the weekend. Yep. All right, gents. Well, until next time, T-Dub's going to be in the house, I think, next week. He's making a reappearance. He misses us. We know this. We know why he's really coming back, but whatever. All right, gentlemen.